The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you're enjoying the ACB convention so far. Um, my name is Ricky Jones, and I'm the co-executive director of Strive for You. Um, I have to my right here, Ms. Christy Ray, who is the other co-executive director. And to my left is uh, our program uh, director for the Arise program, Lucy Malhan. And uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about Strive for You, tell you a little bit about ourselves, and then we'll go into our presentations about ways that you can get up off the couch, get up, get moving, and um, try to live a healthier, more active lifestyle. So to uh, start, I want to tell you a little bit about Strive for You. So Strive for You uh, is actually uh, an organization that kind of combines several different programs with one major national mission, and that is to provide the resources, education, and opportunities for people with disabilities to live the most fulfilled life they possibly can. And that includes uh, educating the community, the professionals that they work with and interact with um, on a daily basis so that we can create a more inclusive society for everyone. And we believe very strongly in our peer-to-peer approach. So when we talk to you uh, and tell you things that you can do or, or try out, that sort of things, we're telling you things that we've tried, uh, we've done. Uh, myself, I'm visually impaired, uh, totally blind, and been that way, uh, where I've been at least legally blind since birth, and then lost my vision around age 20. Um, I'm a parent. I'm a stu- I've been a student at college. I'm a professional, of course. So we are um, following through with that peer-to-peer approach, giving you the advice and the support that you need to be as successful as you can. Um, I'm going to give Christy a chance to tell a little bit about herself, and then we'll go to Lucy. Um, as he said, my name is Christy Ray. I live in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, or outside of Nashville, and we have three kids. We have a his, hers, and ours, Ricky and I do. Um, our older two are 16, and our youngest is eight. Um, I have done... Many of the things we're going to talk to you guys about today, kickball, uh, run, walk with a guide, um, tandem cycling, goalball, baseball, or beat baseball, um, and that's pretty much me. Okay. How about you, Lucy? Thank you. My name is Lucy Malahan. I uh, live in New Mexico, and I have been a vocational rehabilitation professional for the past 20-plus years. Stepped away from my role in that field um, just a few months ago and have come on board with the Strive for You team as the Arise Program Director. Really excited to be able to talk with you about adaptive ways uh, to include people in recreation and leisure activities. I enjoyed playing global. It was my first um, introduction to uh, adaptive sports. So years ago, Ricky was my coach, and it's great to be back working with Ricky and Christy. 
I do have two children. I, um, they are 11 and 18. So I guess I have an adult child now. Um, and while they have disabilities, they are not blind. Uh, so we have in, in my family had to adapt sport and leisure activities to um, not just my blindness, but also to meet any um, barriers or to reduce any barriers that they may have to participating. Really passionate about this and excited uh, to be helping you learn how to get up and get moving. All right. So um, as I said in Strive for You, we have two programs. And Christy and I uh, and Lucy all started um, many, many years ago in uh, Tennessee here with an adaptive sports program. And uh, then Christy and I got involved in a self-defense program uh, for people with disabilities. And about uh, 2019, those organizations started uh, closing or dissolving. And so Christy and I was very passionate about making sure that the mission of those organizations carried on and wanted to make it more of a national scope. And so um, that's how Strive for You got started. We got launched in 2020. January of 2020, just before the pandemic, and um, used those uh, months in the uh, quarantine to kind of get off the ground with Strive for You, and just last year got started with doing in-person events. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our seed program, but we will be presenting our seed program at in-person at the uh, ACB convention on the 2nd of June, July, and the 3rd. But our C program stands for Safety, Education, Empowering Defense. And it is a holistic approach to self-defense that not only works with uh, the body, physical things, but also mental health um, and all the pieces that you need to have with safety education, uh, physical techniques, and mindset and, um, you know, keeping a good mental health um, evaluation and things. So our SEED self, uh, self-defense program has workshops. We have uh, webinars. We have uh, an online class coming hopefully by the end of the year. Um, we'll have in-person self-defense classes that our instructors from across the country uh, will teach. So we can come to you or you can come to us depending on where you're located, and um, get some great training to give you more confidence to, um, you know, like the theme of the convention this year, to get out and get moving, whether that be recreation and leisure, or that just be going back to the job, uh, getting back in the job uh, field workforce, uh, or, um, you know, going back to school or things like that. So, um, please feel free to check that out. You can also check out more about it on our website at strive for you. That's S T R I V E the number four Y O U.org slash seed S E E D. Now that leads me to our, uh, recreation and leisure program or our arise program, which is our adaptive recreation, inspiring, inspiring success and empowerment. And so um, in this program, we focus, as it sounds, on adaptive recreation, leisure, and sport. But we also not only teach people how to uh, adapt sports and activities for themselves, maybe for their family, like Lucy and 
mentioned and Christy and I have done for our family, um, but also for the professionals so the professionals can learn how to make a more inclusive um, program that they may be offering. Maybe that's a YMCA, a physical education class in K-12 schools, parks and recreation, etc. So um, we really try to tackle that uh, from, you know, all different sides. We offer what we call adaptive sports days where we come to you, we bring you the equipment, we bring our, our staff to uh, facilitate the activity, we'll help you to secure a facility, and we'll put on a day worth of, of different activities that you can do. Um, that might include things like kickball, goalball, uh, run walk with a guide, um, disc golf, soccer. There's all kinds of things out there that you can do, and uh, you know, depending on the group's interest, we can um, help facilitate that. We've done everything from archery and golf and anything. Cornhole. Corn, yeah, cornhole, ring toss, and boccia, and, and just different things, um, you know, playing with your kids in the backyard, that sort of thing. I know one of the things that we've always tried to, our motto is, if you want to adapt it, we will find a way to do it. Absolutely. And we'll put more than likely have either tried it already or we'll try it right alongside with you. So, um, and then we have the professional development workshop. Now we're the only organization in the country that's offering, uh, a professional development workshop that actually teaches professionals on adapting sports, recreation, and leisure for people who are blind, visually impaired. We have developed what we call the access to inclusion plan. And this is the only curriculum of its kind that goes in depth, not only talking about, uh, a lot of the things we're going to talk about during our session uh, as far as what the global problem is and how that affects the blind community, um, barriers that people face. We're going to then talk to you more about how to actually adapt uh, sports and leisure activities um, so that you can advocate better for yourself. And so we're the only one in the country that we are aware of that's doing this, um, at least on the level that we are. Uh, We also have our annual uh, Striver Day which is a uh, conference like you've never been to before. It's held here in Nashville. This year it's going to be October 15th. And it's a day full of activities where you can get a hands-on experience of what different sports and recreational activities you can play and be involved in, um, in your community, perhaps. We also offer one-on-one consulting because we realize that not everyone has the resources or maybe doesn't have the education they need to be able to uh, advocate for themselves or a professional that doesn't know what to do to include a person with a visual disability. So we are um, kind of tackling this thing from multiple different angles. And so, um, ladies, is there anything I left out? Did we happen to mention that Arise would also be at the ACB in person? Uh, actually, we did not. So we will be there on the second um, in Omaha, and uh, we'll be doing a session, a three-hour session on goalball. And um, just to give you a little insight as to what that is, goalball is the premier team sport for blind and visually impaired. And uh, it was started after World War II by uh, disabled blinded veterans who were looking for a rehabilitation activity. And so um, it was introduced as a Paralympic sport in 1976. And now it's played all across the country um, and about, I think last I heard it's like 186 countries or something to that effect. Um, and 
we actually this weekend, uh, starting tomorrow, we'll be putting on uh, our own uh, regional uh, tournament that will be a qualifier for nationals. So we're going to come to Omaha. We're going to bring our equipment and teach you how to play if you're interested and you haven't signed up yet. I'm hoping there's a way for you to sneak in or get signed in to that um, session. And again, like I said, we'll be there also doing the seed program as well. So um, we also host two other tournaments around the uh, in throughout the year. We have a bowling tournament and we have a beat kickball tournament. And as we grow and continue to get interest, we're going to try to host a few other uh, national competitions as well. Um, all of those competitions and the National Striver Day, as I said, are here in Nashville. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the global problem. And it's sort of a no-brainer conversation. Um, it's no secret that Americans have the highest obesity rate uh, out of uh, any country in the world. And we are slowly, more and more of our population is dying due to obesity and secondary conditions that obesity will cause. That could be things like diabetes or heart failure, uh, high blood pressure, thyroid issues, uh, all kinds of different things that um, we face as Americans uh, with one of the highest obesity rates. Um, muscle uh, deterioration, arthritis, and even, you may not know this, but uh, some studies have shown that obesity, diabetes, and others can lead to cancer um, and can cause death in Americans um, by cancer that they've um, developed through some of these same uh, chronic illnesses and, and diseases that they've gotten um, just simply by being overweight. Um, you can be overweight by 10 pounds or 30, 40, 50 pounds. So you really have to check, you know, with the guidelines from the Department of Health and Human Services or your doctor to kind of figure out where you fall at that level based on your height, weight, and um, overall health. But um, those are all things that we consider to be major issues within the uh, global problem. Now, when we look at what does that mean for the blind and visually impaired community? Well, you may not know this, but uh, we in, in, our, in the blind and visually impaired community, on average, take less than seven, just less than 7,000 fewer steps than our sighted peers. Now, society has, um, you know, kind of evolved. We have remote controls for our TV. So along with the days when I was six and seven years old, getting up and walking over to the TV and turning the knob and moving the um, uh, antenna. Or yeah, being the antenna. Or being the antenna. Um, I'm sure some of you may be able to fall in that category as well. Now we just have a button. We push the button and, and we don't have to move. Um, you know, we get food delivered to our door. Uh, the, the more and more luxury we start gaining in life, Unfortunately, um, the least steps we take, the least movement we have, and unfortunately, um, it leads to more of the obesity and fat intake that we, we take in our bodies. So um, with that being said, uh, on average, blind and visually impaired people take 7 to 10 
different medications to um, counteract uh, some of those same chronic illnesses I spoke of, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, all that stuff. Um, you know, think to yourself, what is your medical conditions? What do you have and what are the cause of it? Is it something that's hereditary? Is it something that is caused by inactivity? Um, all that thing, all those things. Uh, blind and visually impaired have the one of the highest obesity rates out of all the minority groups. So, you know, think about other disability groups uh, and other minority groups. We have one of the highest obesity rates out of all those people. And there's no reason. Um, but there are some barriers that we all face that you may be able to identify yourself. And what I'm going to do is we're going to name a few uh, between my team here and talk about it a little bit. So, Christy, you want to get us started? Sure. Um, transportation is definitely, I would have to say, like number one on that list of um, I've got doctor's appointments. How am I going to get there? I want to go to the gym. How am I going to get there? Um, okay, I've got a ride system, paratransit. I'm sure that's, you know, all the way across the board, but they didn't show up. Um, I could get stranded somewhere or, you know, feeling like you're burdening a friend because you've asked them for a ride. Um, transportation is, is definitely my number one. Absolutely. You got one, Lucy? I do. I live in a small town. We don't have a lot of resources and the resources that we do have, if they go to the gym, a lot of times they can't use the equipment. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and education kind of falls along those same lines with um, professionals not understanding how to make adaptations, not knowing how to label that uh, treadmill or, um, you know, the weight system in the, in the gym that you want to use or not having accessible equipment or even facilities for you to even get into or navigate uh, appropriately. Uh, staff doesn't know how to, they don't know how to navigate someone in their, inside their own facility with O&M to be able to, to uh, get to the equipment or things that they want to do. We've seen why uh, yoga instructors or PE teachers who just simply don't know how to auto-describe the movement that they're making so that someone can be included in that, uh, in that class. And so that's a barrier that uh, or challenge that some people face. Um, you got any others, Lucy? No. When your um, your audience has any that they yeah, uh, I'll mention mention one other one, and that would be finances. Oh, um, we're yeah. all on a fixed income these days, and gosh knows with all the uh, inflation that we have going on, that um, you know money just doesn't go as far as it used to go. And so, having that money for that annual or monthly membership into a gym, uh, YMCA, or, you know, even community centers, one right down from my house, charges you uh, a certain amount of a fee to do a, a yoga class or to um, come in and walk the walking trail, that sort of thing. So those are um, financial can, you know, be a big uh, barrier. I would rank it right up there with transportation. So why don't we take a minute, and if there's anybody that has something that we haven't mentioned that you're uh, a barrier that, or challenge that you're facing in your community, um, maybe you could, um, how best would it be to facilitate those questions? Hi. Yeah, I was going to say, in my community, 
um, I belong to the Silver Sneakers, and it's offered through the Y, and liability is an issue. When I tried to go um, and use my Silver Sneakers, they had issues because they just couldn't believe that a blind person could come into the gym and do those things, and that if I was going to be alone, it just wasn't possible. So they wanted to find a volunteer. They never found anybody, and so it never happened. Yeah, absolutely. And and we see that all the time. That's one of the reasons that we're very passionate about making sure that we are a resource and an educational uh, uh, connection for you to help educate the community. And you're right. Uh, a lot of people, it's not necessarily a liability issue. It's more of, dare I say, ignorance of fear of, of people getting hurt or, or that sort of thing. One of the things that we deal with so much in, in the blind and visually impaired community is simple personal perception in conflict with social preconceptions. You know, society says you can't do this. And we're like, wait a minute. Yes, we can. Um, and that's where us being united together uh, with the ACB and other groups can, um, you know, make that front and stand up for ourselves. Anybody else? Awesome. Okay. Well, those, uh, like I said, we, we gave you some. You may find some extra barriers in your own community. Um, and obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the approaches and how you would go about uh, adapting a recreation, leisure, or sport activity. Um, and then that might, you know, give you a few questions to ask us here towards the end. So in the Access to Inclusion Plan, uh, one of the things that we've developed in that plan is talking about the six approaches to sports, recreation, and leisure. First, before we get started in those six, I think it's important for us to kind of maybe um, define a little bit what we mean by leisure, recreation, and sport. So leisure could be something as simple as reading a book. You know, a simple adaptation for that, obviously, is audiobooks. Um, or Braille. Absolutely. Um, having an, a good Braille book to curl up in the chair with is uh, great to do. Um, it can be a leisure activity. In these days, uh, the Braille displays would be... Awesome. Oh, absolutely. Let's bring in technology in with it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, that comes from our tech person over here, by the way. And, uh, you know, so a leisure activity could be a board game or something with your family. Cards with Braille on them. Uh, a Braille Monopoly or a large print Monopoly board, um, something with a tactile feel to it to where you can feel those uh, boxes on the checkerboard, that sort of thing. So, you know, having a leisure activity that you can um, participate in. Now, recreation is very close to the same thing, but, uh, you know, you might think about playing a game of basketball or um, going to run in the park or participating you know, in a, in a 5K walk or something like that in your community. It's not necessarily something you're, you're, you're dare I say, striving to um, become the champion of, you know, not to really compete, but you want to do it on a recreational ba basis just to have fun. And then, of course, our sport is what, when we say sport, we're talking about actual activities that you can compete in, um, either on a regional, national, local level or even international during the Paralympics. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about sport. 
So we have those six approaches to adapting sports and recreation for the blind and visually impaired. Um, and so the first one is what, Chris? Audio. Ah, okay, audio. So with audio, we're talking about a target or a device that will emit some type of auditory sound that you can hear um, to help you play an activity or participate in an activity better. So we have several things here on the table with us. We're going to kind of show you. There's all kinds of different things out there. Um, a lot of different sports and recreational activities have things like balls that uh, you you need to be able to know where it is to identify so that you can participate in that activity. So, no, it's fine. It's, I, I went with it. Um, so Lucy has. I have a goal ball, and I have nicknamed it the cat toy. It sounds like a cat toy to me. And I remember learning to play goal ball for the first time. It was a little scary to be blindfolded and have only the ball as an audio sound for me to follow and to catch it. It's even a little more scary now because um, I have lost a lot of hearing, uh, but it's still a fun. It's still a fun sport. I can still hear the ball, and um, it it allows me to play a game with others. Sports are really important uh, for me. And recreational activities are really important for me. I was a competitive swimmer when I was young. And uh, when I lost more sight, I thought that there was not really anything else I could do. And I was disappointed to be um, a single mom for many years and not know of a way to adapt um, recreational activities so that my boys can get up and get moving. But I see that there is another thing that we had over there, that soccer ball. Yeah. So this ball that um, Lucy's talking about has bells inside of it. Um, and we have a, let's see, where is that soccer ball? Uh, yes, we got the soccer ball here. Um, again, it's got bells inside of it. They make uh, soccer balls with rattles. And beepers. And beepers inside of them. Um, so you have different options there. Uh, what else you got over there, Christy? I have a kickball. As you can hear, that's very loud, especially in, in the room that we're in. Um, very echoey. Yeah. Will you tell them a little bit more about kickball and about the ball? Sure. So the ball and the bases are made of the same material. It's a um, really light foam with its, um, what is this texture? I did not foam. Uh, or know the velvet. outside of it. It's, uh, it's almost like a tarp Vinyl. sort of feeling, yeah. um, a plasticky type feeling. Anyways, it's one of those, if you get hit by this, it's not really going to hurt. It's just going to really be um, soft, even if it gets kicked across the field. Um, you play with two bases. The bases are four foot tall. And if it's if you really get involved with a competitive person, they will really run, run at that base and just tackle it to the ground. And it's a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Did you mention that they're, they're made out of foam as well? Yes. Yeah. And they have a buzzer inside of them um, that will buzz or... Uh, let you know, you know, where it is. And as Christy said, you only have two bases in big beat kickball and beat baseball, uh, first or third. And you don't have to run in between the two bases. You just have to get to the base, whichever one of those is buzzing uh, before the outfield finds the ball 
and get you out. Similar to beat baseball, which I have here in my hand, um, the thing that about beat, beat baseball is this is a softball. This is, well, softball in quotes. <laughs> it's a hard softball. Uh, you may have seen one, um, it, you know, as you were growing up and what have you. This has a pin in it. We just pull it out. And I'm going to apologize. This I'm going to put the pin in as quickly as I can. Um, this is a, a loud one as well. And it's dying. It's dying. So the beeper's a little bit different. All right. There we go. It's a little bit high pitched, more high pitched than it normally is and faster. Yeah. Um, but again, you use the same bases. Um, the difference, of course, that Christy and I feel very strongly about is uh, we're not beat baseball fans. There are plenty of people out there. God bless you. But we're not those fans because this flying out our uh, face does not entice us the least little bit. Uh, we'd rather have the foam kickball coming at us um, any day. Any day. What do you have, Lucy? I have a retro ball, and ooh, I don't know. I would say this is about a size two soccer ball or so. It's got a pretty hard foam on the outside. I have my finger down in um, a hole that's in the ball, and I'm going to turn on a rocker switch. It has a, a, a softer. Indoor. <laughs> an indoor beep, then it has an outdoor beep. I'm only going to do one. You'll hear it's loud, regardless if it's indoor or outdoor. So here we go. Oh, you have the boingy one. I have, the, I have a boing ball. Um, so I'll, I'll turn that on again. So you can tell that um, just a different type of locator in there. And this can be really helpful if someone, say, is not able to hear a jingle. Um, and so, again, another way to adapt a recreational or leisure um, sport to, um, to fit your population. So, Yep, and I have uh, the retro ball you thought you had. Uh, (laughs) And it's just like the one that Lucy just described, except for it has a little bit different sound. And so um, both of these are excellent for working with younger students, younger, uh, uh, whether they're visually impaired or maybe you're a sighted, uh, a visually impaired parent uh, wanting to play with your sighted child. These are excellent for, you know, working with toddlers to do uh, rolling games back and forth or, hand-eye coordination activities like putting the ball into a trash can or a basketball uh, hoop. Um, these are excellent. They're not all that great for kicking because they are pretty hard foam uh, balls. But uh, these are like the beat baseball. Um, they have a charger that plugs into them and will charge. Um, so you can charge them. They have rechargeable batteries. Now, the beat kickball that we mentioned earlier it has a battery inside of it, but when that thing goes dead, um, you can send it back and see if they'll replace it, or uh, you can just purchase a new ball. We'll talk a little bit more about some, where you get some of these items uh, as we go through. Um, what else you got, Christy? Anything? I have what's been our kids' favorite recently is the basketball. It doesn't have a lot of noise to it. It just has a single bell in it, um, but it does help. And it isn't, other than having the bell in it, it is a normal basketball. Mm-hmm. Regulation size. Yep. Um, I have here a foam football. Um, this was the latest fad in my family um, 
couple uh, months ago uh, outside playing football in the backyard. Um, it has a toggle switch on the inside, an opening in the ball. It's, it, it is foam, so you don't have to worry about it if you get hit in the face with it. Um, I'll try to flip the switch, and I hope you'll hear it. Very low. Uh, you can adjust it within the ball to make it a little louder. Um, I like playing with this with my youngest son, who's eight. We'll toss the ball back and forth. I'll hear it coming in the air. Um, some of these balls that have bells inside of them, I'll warn you, if the ball goes airborne, sometimes the bells start stop making noise. So uh, sometimes the beeper, as Lucy was saying, if you have someone who has hearing problems or the situation calls for it, sometimes the beeping ball is best in certain situations. Um, the other reason I like using this is when my son is running around the yard with it and I'm trying to find him to tackle him or tag him or whatever we're doing, um, it's beeping so I can kind of find where he's at. So that's uh, another uh, version of auditory. I think that's all the balls we have. All right. But now we have uh, beeper boxes. Yeah, we have beeper boxes and, and uh, different items to maybe mark a target. So Christy has a Easter egg. Easter egg. And it looks just like the normal Easter jumbo. egg, jumbo Easter egg that you would find at the dollar store or anywhere else. The difference is when you open it, the bottom part has a battery pack and right on the outside of it, it has a little switch that turns that beep on. So it still has room, like if you want to put candy and stuff in it, um, I wouldn't put chocolate in there on top of that battery, but some candy that wouldn't melt. Um, and you could still hunt Easter eggs with other kids or, you know, enjoy Easter egg hunts with your kids, your grandkids, whatever. Absolutely. We can just use it as a locator as that's well. Yeah, yes. that's exactly that where was I was going. Still, yeah. yep. Absolutely. So we're all on the same page. Yeah. You can use it to put, um, I, you, I recommended someone who was used to play pool when they had more vision and recently lost vision. I'd recommended putting it in the pocket um, where they were trying to shoot the, the pool cube at. So um, that is uh, an option. Um, you could put it, at least the base part of the egg, down inside the um, golf cup for either putt-putt or regular golf. That's an option as well. Disc golf basket. Yeah, absolutely. We could do a disc golf basket. Um, just to, like they were saying to, to label some, um, some place that you're trying to get orient, uh, oriented to. Now, I have here in my hand uh, what is called the Sport Soundbox Pro. And it is a uh, six inch by four inch rectangle box. It has a strap where you can strap it onto anything you'd like. Um, it has a way to change the tone, the volume, and the rate. So I'm going to flip the power switch on at the top. I'm going to push the power button. I already had it. Down, yeah. Slow it down. Turn it down because it certainly is echoing in here. So you can change the volume. You can change the pitch or the uh, tone. You can speed it up or slow it down. 
These are great for uh, putting on a basketball uh, hoop or uh, on the back of a backboard if you're in inside a gym area. Um, it would be great to uh, put on an archery target or um, soccer net. Soccer net, yeah, yeah, perfect, absolutely. Um, any other? It comes yeah. with a remote as well. Yeah, which matches what you see on the front. It, it uh, matches that as well. What was you going to say? I was going to say that sometimes you need two locators, and you need them to make a different sound because who wants to score for the other team, right? Right. And so you, these are great for that because they can, you can change the tone, you can change the rate, and you can, um, and, and still be able to play with them. Absolutely. So I have one more thing I want to show, um, and I want to, we'll move on because I know we've got a lot more things to show you or, or ideas to give you. Um, I have a simple solution that you might use for marking a target. Uh, we mentioned earlier that we do that boccia. And one of the things that we do to, to mark the jack uh, that where you're aiming for, trying to get your balls as close to, um, is just a simple luggage tag or tile. Now, you can get different kinds of these. I have a flat one here that has a sticky back to the back of it. You get these on the Amazon, uh, Walmart, anywhere, really. Um, and you can stick it on your luggage or you can stick it on your remote. You could stick it on, uh, like I said, you could just put it underneath the ball that you're trying to, or the target area you're trying to get to, and you have a remote, push the button, and it sounds off. That one's my favorite. One of my favorites. This is one of the ones with remotes. Absolutely, because you can stand from a distance <laughs> and, and not be in the line of fire, so to speak. But the remote's always in my couch. Right. Well, put one of these on your remote. And then you'll be able to find the remote to push the button for your tile. Yeah, just see the remote to the remote. Right. <laughs> um, so these are, are good things. And like I said, you can buy some that have that go on keychains. So there's really a lot of things you can do with those. Um, again, you can hang it on a basketball net or on the um, hockey or soccer goal. Uh, you can put it inside of one of those uh, putt-putt golf uh, areas that you're trying to get into. Um, all those different things. So these are all examples of auditory options that you can use during the auditory approach. What is another one, Lucy, that we have in our six approaches? Do you remember? Lucy, there you go. So contrast is anything from uh, a bright color on a dark background or one thing that we've had a lot of complaints about is a yoga teacher teachers, or a gym, gym teacher standing uh, against a white wall with a white shirt on trying to show how to do fitness drills or standing in front of a glass picture window and light coming in behind them and absolutely making it to where anybody that has partial vision has no idea uh, what they're doing to be able to see it. So. All those are good um, examples of contrast. You might, I used to shoot basketball quite often. And uh, even with my uh, 2200 vision back in high school, I would have a hard time because they would use these clear basketball uh, backboards. And of course, right behind the clear backboard would be a window or some glare from a light. So uh, putting in a orange or neon yellow, depending on, or even black 
a piece of poster board inside of that glass backboard is an excellent way to make that um, contrast. But always, if you're teaching, be mindful of the lighting, the contrast between yourself or the target. And uh, most of all, ask the individual or advocate for yourself. I can't see that. Could we try this? Um, So that's an example of contrast. Um, Another one that we have is verbal. Now, verbal is not to be confused with auditory, although it sounds very similar. Verbal is when someone is physically speaking directions. Now, just by nodding your head, how many of you out there uh, are directional challenged? I know I've met several O&M instructors or uh, yoga instructors, PE teachers, etc., who had trouble with their left and rights. Your other right. Your other right. Exactly. We're reversing when you're facing someone. Absolutely. My left is your right. Exactly. So um, when you give verbal directions to someone, the basketball goal is 10 feet in front of you um, and slightly to the left. Uh, or you might say um, your disc is... 10 steps in front of you uh, on the ground. And so that is a a great thing for verbal as far as um, uh, examples of verbal that can be used to make something adaptive. Um, Boarding card games. We use that at home a lot. You know, a Braille or large print Monopoly game is $70, $80, $90. But when you get to... um, the uh, grocery or uh, Walmart or whatever, you can get those for 10 bucks. Well, one adaptation, of course, in my family, we've used for some of these board games is simply having um, someone cited to, you know, give us those directions of um, where your piece is on the board or where to move. It doesn't give us a lot of independence. I'll give you that, but it is still a good example of verbal. Um, anybody have uh, another one? Tactile. Tactile. Okay. So you want to talk about that? Sure. So tactile would be um, for global, you would have um, string or, in this case, we did a cord under tape, and that would be a tactile line to for orientation purposes, um, using... Uh, a line for if you're going to be doing ring toss or archery, having that tactile line for people to line up and they know this is not to go past that line um, when they're shooting. Um, using a tricky triangle board. Yeah, I was reaching for um, for bowling. So there's 10 pins. You take the pegs. Okay, you have... Um, you know, showing how many pins they have left. You have one, two, and three left. And then they can tactically feel what pins they have left. And it gives them a better idea of how to find their their uh, pins. So in bowling, we have, um, you may have, I don't know how many bowlers we have out there. You may be aware of the Blind Bowlers Association. And they use um, what's called a bowling rail to line people up with the uh, gutters. And with the foul line to help them, uh, to help a bowler to 
orientate themselves to the bowling lane. And so it comes about hip yet high. It's usually made out of aluminum. Um, and you just simply glide your hand across it, uh, going from the landing area, the uh, approach area to the alley itself. And um, those uh, are great ways to line yourself up. I know a lot of people, when we go out to a bowling alley, oh, yeah, we, we have adaptive uh, bowling rails. And what they're talking about are the ramps that they, uh, children or uh, folks that are in wheelchairs use for uh, using that um, to line up their, their shots. So uh, that's a great way for tactile. Um, and as Christy said, you can even put a line with, with uh, what's called gymnasium tape um, or uh, a cheaper version of gymnasium tape is painter's tape. Although gymnasium tape is about $10 a roll uh, for a 60-foot roll of, of tape. Um, it's made out of vinyl, uh, but uh, painter's tape, you can get, you know, a dollar, two dollars. doesn't hold up as well, especially under people's feet when they're walking on it. Um, but you can use that. I would go for the higher quality than the cheaper, or else you'll be uh, peeling um, painter's tape. They actually refer to it as uh, social distancing tape. Oh, yes. In the years after COVID, social distancing tape. Um, so those are all great ideas for, for tactual. Of course, we can't forget Braille. And if we're marking, you know, that Monopoly board or checkered board that we bought from Walmart or Amazon, we might use pipe cleaner to put along the borders of the squares that we're supposed to go in. We might. We also have fourth inch tape that I got in different colors. We marked a sorry board and had the colors to go with it. Ooh, how awesome is that? Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, the squares. Then we marked I didn't even think of that one. Yeah, and it was pretty cheap. Awesome. So, you know, there's all kinds of tactual things that you can use that you can use your sense of touch, whether it's feet, hands, uh, or otherwise, and figure out where you're at to orientate you um, while you're playing or, or participating in a leisure activity. We also have tactile modeling, or what we just refer to it as modeling, so we don't get it confused with tactile model, uh, tactile. But this approach is simply using someone's anatomy to learn the positioning of uh, another's when they're trying to give instruction. Let me give you an example. Let's say you were blind from birth. Uh, we've worked with several children who don't even understand the concept of jumping or walking up the steps, uh, alternating feet. Well, using tech modeling uh, and allowing that person from the outside so that we keep it PC and and appropriate um, can touch someone's legs as they step or as they jump. Um, We've used it to show someone how to shoot a basketball correctly. So this is a great way that you can allow someone to touch you to kind of figure out what that body movement in is. Another way for yoga instructors, um, all the different poses they get in, um, you could, you know, find the outside of their body and kind of get a description tactually using modeling of what position you're supposed to be in. Christy, you want to talk about the last one? So pairing is our last one. and. Pairing is simply just um, having a guide to run or walk with, having 
pairing two kids together on the playground, one that has uh, it is either sided or even a high partial with a totally blind so that they can explore the playground together. And it doesn't have to be an obvious, oh, you're being put with the blind kid. That's not, you know, the way to work it. It's just pairing two kids together to go play and explore the playground together. Um, tandem cycling, they're paired together. So just two people doing things together. Right. And you can intermingle any of these approaches together uh, with whatever you're doing. I want you to think about a triangle that's upside down. So the point or the pentacle of that triangle is pointing towards the ground. And if you were to take that triangle and divide it horizontally into three um, sections, I'm sorry, vertically, into three sections, the top part towards the base of the triangle is the biggest area. Well, that's going to be your primary objective. The middle is going to be your secondary objective. And the small tip-top point of that triangle that's facing the ground is going to be the rules. The primary objective could be something as simple as putting the ball into the hoop. Well, um, you know, we've got any of the six approaches we could apply to that. Contrast, audio, uh, verbal, uh, modeling, pairing. All of those can be used in that in making that modification for the primary objective. The secondary objective may be staying in bounds. Well, we could use um, tactile uh, tape with string underneath, underneath it on a gym floor to know where we're at so that we don't go out of bounds. In tennis, they use this uh, method to put, say, three, three strings of um, three lines of string under a piece of tape to mark the outside perimeter and one string underneath tape to uh, identify the interior lines on a tennis court. So there's all kinds of ways that you can add the six approaches into the secondary. Now, the third uh, objective or the rules is the smallest part of the, um, of the triangle. And the reason we make it the smallest is simply because if you change the rules too much, you can basically take away the integrity of the sport and the activity. So we want to modify that the very least that we have to so that we keep the integrity not only for the, for the activity, but also for the individual and their independence. Now, yes, when somebody's learning something new or maybe they've just lost their vision and so getting those senses and skills up might be an extra challenge, you could change a lot of the rules. But what we also recommend is as those skills develop, uh, putting back in the rules that you took out. For instance, let me give you an example. Shooting basketball. When I go down with my kids to shoot basketball, if I hit the rim, that's three points. If I hit the backboard, it's one. If I actually make it in, well, that's four points or five points, however you want to score it. Um, and so that is a, an example of changing the rules to um, – to modify it, but then as I get a better to be a better shooter, maybe I get back to the to the regular scoring of two points for a regular basket, three points for an outside shot, that sort of thing. So that those that's a, a, an example of modifying 
the objectives, primary, secondary, and the rules. There are all kinds of activities and things out there for you to do. There are sports that are specifically designed for you as a visually impaired or blind person. There are uh, the six approaches. We didn't create these. These have been done. Um, they've been in the practice for years, but we just tried to put it all in a, uh, a neat bow, if you will, uh, in our curriculum and our access to inclusion plan so that you can get up, get out, get going, get moving. Because what happens is when you get out, you get active, maybe it's a leisure, recreation, or sport activity. We have found time and time again, I am an example of this, where the body that is in motion stays in motion. And you then maybe are more uh, confident to go out, get a job, go back to school, um, be more active in your community, in your ACB chapter, etc. And so, uh, not to mention the benefit, the health benefits, not only physically but mental, um, better sleep, uh, just giving off endorphin um, uh, chemical reactions to exercise that help the brain stimulate the brain for better memory, um, better mood. All those things are so important. We always think about with um, sports and rec and all that stuff. We think about physical activity, but we don't really think about the mental health benefits as well. And those are all important as well. Um, most of these items that we've shown you today, like I said, we gave, gave you some high-end options. Um, we've given you some low-end options. There's plenty more that we could have showed you and just don't have time to. But um, you can get most of these things at APH. You can get them at uh, the Blind Superstore. Maxi-Aid. Maxi-Aid, Independent Living Aids. Any other? Forgive me. Uh, any of the, the supply stores out there that we buy some of our supplies for, usually you can find a lot of these things at those different places. Um, and there's, as I said, there's knockoff options that you can use. You don't have to spend, say, for instance, this Pro Audio Box. It's a great tool to have. It's a fun thing to have, um, but it costs $150. Well, you know, not everybody has $150 laying around. So an option like the tile that you can get four or five for $10 or um, using an AM, FM radio, you can get that for four or five dollars at the store. So there's, there's high-end options and low-end options. <clears throat> so uh, we want to give you plenty of time to ask us any questions um, or address any concerns you might have, um, whether it be about adapting an activity or a sport, uh, if, about our programs. So we now open it up to you, and thank you so much for listening. I have a question in regards to the beeping box. Um, yes. I, I swim laps, and if you get a beeping box and you put one on one side of the pool and one on the other, um, is it waterproof? These are not. Not waterproof. Do you have any suggestions? How about the egg? Is it loud enough to be able to hear from one side of the pool to the other side of the pool? Well, they have what's called sonar beepers that go underwater that are waterproof. And so those would be excellent. Um, in the Paralympics swimming, they use a boomer or a long pole with a tennis ball on the end of it, and they touch the swimmer. Uh, someone sighted reaches out and touches the swimmer on in between the shoulder blades, 
to tell them that it's time to flip and head back the other way. But I don't um, have somebody to help me. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah, I understand. You could try one of these. I haven't honestly Is that tested the sonar beeper, though? Is that yes. has, that has to be in the water? Can it be outside the water? Or because I don't keep my ears in the water because I get vertigo. Can they okay, be outside? Then, okay. Then this this box here, um, set it back away from the pool a little bit so that you know it can take a little bit of water, but it's not designed to take a lot. Um, yeah. And it, it as long as your ears are out of the water, you should be okay. What about the sonar beepers? I'm just trying to understand that. Is that in water only? No, you could have it on the outside of the pool too. I would have to look that up. I'm not sure where you get those at the moment. Don, this is this is Lucy. Um, have do you touch the lane ropes as you're swimming? That's the problem at my condo. They don't have lane ropes. That's what um, my problem is. I'm trying to figure out how to swim straight. Does yeah. that make sense? My dog yeah. will walk me straight, but she can't <laughs> swim me straight. <laughs> <laughs> Understand. Yeah, that's um, that's one. Again, you can play around with some different options outside of the pool. Um, again, if, you know, the, the sonar one is waterproof. That part I do know. And I, okay. you can put it inside or outside. And like okay. Christy said, we've not uh, looked at where to actually purchase those for, from. But um, you can reach us at info at strive4u.org, S-T-R-I-V-E, uh, the number four, Y-O-U.org. And um, we would be happy to try to help you find that resource for you. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, hi. I have a question, but I did want to mention for the lady who swims, if you put a beeper inside of a dry sack, the dry sack that, we, like for camping or for kayaking, it's not oh, thick enough that you still won't be able to hear the beeper. So try that, and then you don't have to worry about it being waterproof. It'll be in a dry uh, sack, but idea. it is waterproof. Um, so my question is, I am wanting to get it back into fencing, um, but I have not been able to find resources for blind fencers other than the Massachusetts School for the Blind, and I'm in Kentucky, so that's not an option. I do have a teacher willing to teach me in Nashville, but then that goes back to the transportation issue. I don't have any way to get to Nashville. And, you know, I've had one lesson with her in the last year. So, um, which obviously isn't doable if you want to keep up with it. I do my own drills and stuff, but, you know, and then it comes to resources for competitions. There's very few blind fencers out there. So, you know, do you have any suggestions for finding fencing resources for blind fencers? So we, we have some we have some ideas, but one one thing off the top of my head is please don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct. Uh, blind fencing is a Paralympic sport. At this time, it is not. It's not okay. I, no, I knew there talking. is fencing, but not blind fencing. Yeah, okay. I thought they were, okay. I thought they were talking about it at one point in time. Um, one resource you might reach out to is the United States Association of Blind Athletes. Okay. Uh, and we, again, uh, you want to send us an email, we will go to work for you and see what we can find. We have talked with several fencing instructors here in Nashville specifically um, that were you know, saying fencing is one of those things that's sort of like a muscle memory type mm. uh, a thing in their opinion. I'm not sure that, <laughs> that I fully agree with it. 
Um, I tried fencing one time uh, mm. and didn't really care for it, but um, I've been ready to try it. So she's been ready. Yeah. Usually whatever <laughs> I, I don't like, she's ready to eagerly to try it, but um, well, we could, we could help you try to look for some resources and okay. uh, maybe in your area as well, because yeah. you're right. Like, having something I've even looked on like YouTube and um, Bookshare for resource for blind fencers. I find fencing books and fencing channels, but nothing for blind fencers. The only thing I found is Massachusetts School for the Blind, where they they require all students to learn fencing because it helps with O and M. I could see the benefits from that very much. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Reach out to us and and okay. let's find let's let's explore this a little bit together. Awesome. I I used to do fencing years ago, probably about ten years ago, and I'd love to get back into it. Well, maybe you'll be the first blind instructor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my question is, do you also provide programs for like water sports, like water skiing, kayaking, rowing, um, uh, uh, sit-down skiing, and things like that, and things like places like on the lake or in the pool? No, I thank you for your question. This is Lucy. I'm the um, <laughs> one who was a competitive swimmer when I was young. Sadly, right now we do not have water sports available. Um, I wish we did. I have I thoroughly enjoyed stand-up paddleboarding, water skiing, uh, anything to do with swimming, tubing, wakeboarding, um, kneeboarding. Uh, if you if you want water, I love water. So maybe in the future, I can convince Ricky and Christy to add a water section. Convinced. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, we don't specifically offer it. However, I am aware that there are uh, obviously uh, some adaptations. But a lot of those type activities you mentioned, um, you know, just simply having uh, the rope and um, being pulled or a boom. Uh, a boom outside the, the side of the ski boat. Um, you know, those are some sometimes ways that, you know, can be its own adaptation, if you will. Um, however, some of those that you mentioned, obviously that wouldn't work for. Um, and learning actually the techniques and physically how to do it, you know, then we're looking at some of our approaches of teaching, um, you know, the instructor how to auditor- auditorially describe or ver- verbalize um, some of that stuff for you is, is key, um, but we don't offer it currently here may, at Strive. It may also depend on the area that you're in to whether or not there's a connection that we could make there. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to reach out to us, we'll be happy to, um, Christy and myself or, or Lucy will look, try to help you find and see if there's something in your area already. I'll come yeah. teach you. I think or or Lucy you. will come teach you, she says. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We don't always, folks, have the, the, the answer. We won't pretend. Um, we're very honest about that. We look at it as an opportunity to grow ourselves. For the next few minutes here, we'll just kind of talk a little bit more about um, some of the activities and sports that are out there that you can um, participate in. And then maybe that'll jog somebody's memory or, or thoughts on a question. Um, there are several blind uh associations or leagues, if you will. As I mentioned earlier, there's the Blind uh, Bowlers Association, the uh, blind Be- American Blind Be- Baseball 
National Baseball Association. Okay, NBA. NBA. Too many acronyms. Um, there is the uh, Beat Kickball Association. There is um, archery is a Paralympic sport, and they have um, uh, archery specific um, instructors that have been trained in blind, visually impaired uh, archers. Um, five aside soccer. Five aside soccer. That's a good one. One that's a big up and coming one. Um, there is blind tennis. I have here uh, tennis ball. It has inside of it ball bearings. Now, this is not the loudest. You know, Chris will bring it a little closer and shake it for you. See if it can even be heard. I've heard some that are easier to hear. Yeah, so it has a little bit of a rattle to it. Um, but blind tennis is a, a up and coming sport. Um, there is a lot of a lot of different things. As Christy mentioned, tandem cycling. Um, that is something that has been around for a long time. Um, we used to go on uh, 20 to 100 mile bike rides um, at a local uh, biking cycling race that we did. Um, so there are all kinds of things out there that is available for you. Run, walk, or roll is a really big thing right now. Absolutely. Christy and I, um, have you participated no. in Okay. So Christy and I have uh, participated in 5Ks, half marathons, and uh, full marathons. Christy ran the New York Marathon, and I did in 2014. And then I went back for more gluttony uh, in 2015. Uh, so um, that's 26.2. Two miles. Please don't leave off the point two. It's very important to those of us who cross the finish line. But there are Achilles running groups all across the country, the world, actually. Absolutely. There are international organizations called Achilles International. Yeah. So you got some in your area. Um, the United States Association of Blind Athletes, they are the governing body for a lot of the blind and visually impaired um, Paralympic sports. And so that's a great resource that used. Uh, we use them as what well. you know, we work with them closely as well. Um, so those are some options for you. Uh, there's even audio, audio darts. Um, there are games that you can get, obviously, on your iPhone, iPad, that are uh, great for leisure, recreational activity. Um, there's several support groups out there on any of the social media platforms. Um, that you can find Facebook, Instagram, as well as finding Strive for You out there on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and LinkedIn. You can connect with us there to find out uh, any upcoming events or information. Go to our website, find out more about our RISE program. Uh, one of the things, in case we have some professionals out there that work within the K-12 or college uh, realm, we have a program we call PE with a twist um, and we go into the PE class. We'll take it over for the day and we'll teach the students in the class about um, an adaptive sport for blind and visually impaired, such as uh, kickball, goalball. Uh, we've done disc golf. Uh, we've even tried some soccer before. So there's plenty of opportunities out there that, um, you know, we can come in and show them how to do a, a sport or activity that they uh, as a sighted child, may find interesting, but we do the twist, which we blindfold everybody. So we put them under sleep shades uh, or blindfold, and then at the end, uh, our panel of usually three to four 
uh, uh, individuals, myself, Christy, uh, Lucy, or plenty of other people that we bring with us, um, they can ask different questions about blindness, and we give them a take-home packet with um, some information. And as a matter of fact, we have some uh, brochures and pamphlets, uh, alphabet cards and things that come uh, from the ACB as well, uh, as well as others. So um, they get to take that back to their classroom and to their homes so that they can continue that, um, that learning experience with their family or, or classmates in the class. The other thing I'd like to mention, if you are just as passionate as the three of us are um, and would like to join the Strive for You team to help further our mission, we have several opportunities for um, volunteers, what we call skilled volunteers. So if you have experience in marketing, finance, um, bookkeeping, uh, administrative, uh, social media, um, what am I leaving out? Website design. Board positions. We have, um, we have, we're, we're always looking for passionate board members. Uh, we have committees. Uh, we have a finance committee. We also have what we call the evaluation council, which is all of our curriculum goes through the evaluation council. It's a panel of education specialists and content specialists that will take a look at our curriculum, make sure that we're offering things that not only make sense, but that are educational and, um, you know, to give it a little bit of a backing. We also are recognized by ACV REP as a CEU provider. And um, so as well as um, other notations that we have from state agencies and um, other national organizations. So, um, and as I said, we'll be at the, We'll be in uh, at the ACB convention, and we also will be attending the AER convention this uh, upcoming July. So international, international student, we're moving up international. Does um, anybody any new questions or thoughts? All right. So, like we said, um, look us up on our website, striveforyou.org. You can find us on Facebook and like our page there. Uh, we are on, as I said, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And um, if there's any way that we can be a resource for for you, if you'd like to attend any of our events, you can go on our website, look at our calendar events, upcoming things that are coming up, and um, come join us here in Nashville or somewhere in your community. Maybe your uh, chap- local chapter or state affiliate would like to bring us out to do an adaptive sports day. Um, we'd love to come out and be a part of your convention um, to help you with, with that or just uh, put on an adaptive sports day for you. Or if you're going to be in Omaha, come by and say hi to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, any last remarks for you, Lucy? Yes. I think a, um, a sport, leisure, and recreational activities are wonderful ways to make memories with friends and family. I'm so excited to be working with Strive for You and to get us all up and moving and making those memories. So hope you will come by and see us in Omaha or wherever you may be. Call us up. All right. Christine, how about you? Thank you guys so much. All right. Well, if you have questions, we'll stick around for a few more minutes. Otherwise, thank you so much for coming and joining us tonight. We hope you found it beneficial and uh, enjoyable. And if we can, again, be of any resource to you, we look forward to doing that as well.